0: All right. Good morning, Grace Point. Good to see you today. I just add my voice to to Ron and thank all of you that came out to help yesterday to beautify the grounds and appreciate that, appreciate your help. You know, sometimes as a pastor, I've been doing this a long, long time, you know, and over the years and, and even when I pastored at Cornerstone, sometimes we would have things like that and some people say, well, I'll just give you some money, you know. <laughs> and it's not like the church can't afford to hire somebody to do it. They miss the point sometimes, like Ron was saying, just the fellowship. Just opportunity for us to be together and I got to talk to people yesterday and, and uh just just have we just had a great time. And so we we appreciate you doing that. And uh, thank you, Crawford, for organizing it and overseeing it, and uh we, we appreciate you. Uh Amen. Amen. We sure do. Uh I'm going to let you be seated, do a little bit different today. I know I, I uh, <laughs> yes and money, um, which Crawford, he always encourages me to go for this at the front of the meeting instead of the the after, but I, you know, and today I just felt like I just wanted to, to call out some, I don't know whether there's somebody watching this on Facebook, somebody will listen to it. Uh, possibly could it be even be in the building I don't know but I just saw in my last night I believe the Lord was just put put it on my heart Uh, particularly there's a child that's been you're as a parent you've been concerned with their breathing and they've been having some breathing problems little periods of apnea and uh, and I just saw that healing come uh, to that child Uh, and, and so I don't know who that is for what parent that is but don't worry no more you just receive uh that healing and uh declare that and receive that for your child and it was like you know just little periods of apnea that this child was experiencing and uh and of course the parent the mom particularly was really concerned uh and worried uh you know sometimes like we had the other day you know with miss Connie, you know, we, hey darling, you know, God gives me something very specific and her healing uh, came and I saw her and I knew who, you know, exactly who to call for, but in this uh, case, but I just declare that, can we just pray for that? Father, we just declare that this child that's been experiencing this apnea, this breathing problem, we declare them healed and whole by the word of the Lord. And Father, we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, whoever you are out there, <laughs> let us know. If you're on Facebook, go ahead and, and uh, let us know that that was uh, your kid. Um, today I want to talk to you about the, uh, we're entitling this, ne- the necessity of change. And, uh, and what we're talking about specifically here is not about you changing, but about Jesus changing the priesthood. Uh you've heard me talk about this before, some of you have, it's been a long, long time since I've addressed that. I want you to go with me to the book of Hebrews, the 7th uh, chapter, and uh, I want to read verse 8, and then I want to uh, drop down to verse 11. Um, of course, that's our foundational text. Can y'all do, do that in the verse 8 for me? And, uh, and of course, he says, here mortal men receive tithes. But there, talking about there, heaven, he receives them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. I, I just want to mention this to you, that, you know, when we do communion, the bread and the wine, when we do communion, Jesus said, as often as you do this, you're doing this in remembrance of me. Remembrance of what? Remembrance of his death, of his burial, of his resurrection. Remembrance of his sacrifice. And uh, that's an that's an ordinance, so to speak, that we keep in the Church of the of the Communion. But when we give tithe, what you're actually declaring is not that you're not remembering his death; you're declaring that he lives. That's what the verse says. You're you're de- you're making a declaration that he lives. In verse eleven, he's talking about this priesthood. And in verse eleven, it says, "Therefore, if perfection," everybody say perfection. See, that's always been God's goal. That's always been the requirement for heaven. You don't hear that much in church. I remember when I wrote a blog some years ago and I said, you know, good people don't go to heaven, only perfect people go to heaven. Well, the church loves to espouse the thing that come to our church, nobody's perfect. And we love to keep espousing the no perfect doctrine, so to speak. Well, you know, we're not perfect. But let me tell you something, God doesn't grade on a curve. 70's not passing with God. 99 is not passing with God. To go to heaven, you gotta be perfect. So is there anything that you can do to make yourself perfect? So that kind of points you to a Savior that is perfect, right? So therefore, if perfection uh, were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest that should arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not according to the order of Aaron? And then he says, for the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. And so it, then he goes on in verse 13 is, and he's talking about that Jesus, now most of us know that Jesus is our high priest. Is that right? And there are two priesthood mentioned in the Bible. There is the Melchizedek priesthood and then there is the Levitical priesthood, which is, comes from the sons of Aaron. That's why it's called the Order of Aaron or the Order of Melchizedek. Now most people don't realize that the first time uh, that the word priest is mentioned in the Bible is found in Genesis chapter 14. And that's where we see uh, this, this uh, Melchizedek, who is also not only is he a priest, but he is also a king. Now, under Levitical priesthood, you was, you, you was a priest, and the only way you could be a priest is you had to be born of the tribe of Levi. Now, I'm just kind of lay a foundation so you kind of get this. And Melchizedek, of course, the, the encounter that at that time he's called Abram, Abraham, he will become. But Abram, uh, four armies, four kings had attacked. They had taken Abram's nephew, Lot, captive and all of his family and all of his possessions. Remember that story in the Bible. And so Abram takes 318 men that he had trained of his own tribe, family. And he goes and pursues these four armies, these four kings, and he's victorious. And he gets Lot and all uh, the people back, nobody's harmed or hurt, and he gets all the goods and possessions returned. And, And it's a supernatural victory. And on his return from that victory, then this king priest, he's called King of Salem, King of Peace, King of Righteousness, but he's also a priest, he meets him on his journey back. Now, this is none other than a, pre-incarnating, a pre-incarnation visit by the Lord Jesus Christ because he is that Melchizedek. Uh, Hebrews 7 explains he doesn't have a beginning, he doesn't have an ending, he, has neither, he doesn't have a mother, he has no genealogy. It's God. And, he, and, and Jesus made several appearances. He wrestled with Jacob. He done many things that we see him appearing in the Old Covenant. And many times we see him as the angel of the Lord. And we know it's Jesus because they worshiped him. And any angel that gets worshipped will re- rebuke a man that does it. And um, so they have this encounter. And so what Melchizedek, which is Jesus, what he does to Abram is he says, Blessed are you. And he said, The Lord's given you this victory. And what he does is he and he says he he gives him bread and wine. That's the first time we see communion in the Bible. So we got several first here, okay? Now, when 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 you see a word first mentioned in the Bible, there's a there's there, there's this kind of a biblical interpretation law, and it's a law of first mention. And what it means is is when a when a word is first introduced in the Bible for the first time. In, in, in those cases, we find the foundation and the, and the understanding of what that word really means. And then throughout the Bible, that, that is expounded upon. That's un, unpacked. You, are you with me? So in other words, in Genesis 22, we, we have the word love. First time it appears in the Bible. And listen to me. It is not between a, mo- a man and a woman, but it is between a father and a son. Because that's the story of the Bible. And so we got Abraham offering Isaac, and 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 that's the first time that we see, the word love appear in Scripture. So our basic foundation is the story of love is about a God, the the Father loving His Son. Are are you with me? For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. Are, are that, that that's our foundation of God's love for us. And so then we got the first time the word priest is mentioned. We've got the first time the word tithe is mentioned, and so. It's not something we talk about a lot, but when, we, when Ron declared and, and, and we encouraged us in our, our uh, declaration that we make over uh, our giving, uh, most of you, like me, were, was raised under uh, a, a really still, even though we're in the New Covenant, but most people have no clue about Melchizedek, and we're raised with a, with a Levitical mindset. I've even said under where preachers told us you're Levites. And they're like the praise team was Levites, so or the ministers were Levite. And, and and they keep reaching into an old covenant Levitical system that is had been annulled by the coming of Jesus. So what I'm trying to get you to see is the Melchizedek priesthood, which is Jesus himself, which is what we're all under under grace. Now, if you try to relate to God under that old Levitical order, you're gonna have some big time problems. Are you with me? Now, now there they were two priesthoods. But this two pattern is all throughout the Bible. Uh, there were how many trees? Two trees in the garden. There were more trees than that, but the tree of knowledge, good and evil, and the tree of life. But you still got a choice between them two. Are you with me? So you got Cain and Abel. So C- Cain, of course, murders Abel because Cain was upset. Cain brought to God a sacrifice of what his own sweat produced, right? But Abel brought a sacrifice to God in the beginning of a blood sacrifice something that he couldn't produce. Do you, see, do you see the difference? you got Ishmael or Isaac. In other words, you got a child of the flesh or you got a child of the promise. You've got, you've got Sarah the free woman or the Bible says you've got Hagar the bond woman. You've got Jacob or Esau. You, you, you've got the house of Saul or you got the house of David. You've got the tabernacle of Moses or the tabernacle of David. See all those things existed simultaneously. You got the old covenant, or you got the new covenant. You've got Jesus the Christ, or you got Satan the Antichrist. You see, you're always going to have those that 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 paradigm of those two things there. But the first time that the word priest is mentioned, that priest is not only identified as a priest, but a king, and that's extremely important because he's called the priest of the of the God of Most High, and he's called that in Hebrews uh, chapter seven. In verse 1, so what kind of king is Jesus? He, he, he's a priest king. And he's all three. How many knows that Jesus was king, priest, and prophet all in one? He was more than that. He, he was apostle. He was evangelist. He, he was all the, the gifts. Uh, and, and so Jesus is a priest who serves, but he's also a king who rules. And also he said that when this priesthood is a necessity, God said, that we change, that there is a change of priesthood that we've got to get out of relating to God by that old Levitical, old covenant law pattern. And you have to relate to God based on grace, which is Melchizedek. So in other words, what I'm trying to get you to see is that little picture we've got in Genesis 14 when when Abram is returning from this great victory. Number one, he says, God gave you the power to be victorious, and then he serves him bread and wine, which is heavenly, heavenly. This is, he didn't get this at Burger King. So he serves him bread and wine. In other words, that's a picture of grace. Abraham hadn't given God anything. He hadn't done anything as far as anything. God's not responding to him. God's blessing him out front. God's blessing him without him doing anything. And without, God said, I'm just blessed you. You don't even know it, but I blessed you with the victory. And here's bread and wine. First time we see communion. In the Bible. And so he's blessing him with that. And listen, in response to that grace, then Abram gives him, gives him, gives. Everybody say gives. Gives him a tithe of how much? Of all. Okay. Now the word tithe itself, if you're just kind of new to this language, means 10%. And so he gave him. Now a lot of you were raised like I was. We were raised up in church. Preachers go to Malachi chapter three verse ten. Bring y'all the ties into the storehouse, you know. And, and if you don't bring them in, you're under a curse. And then they And then, and most of them didn't even stop there. They would go on to say, and if you don't give it to God, you ain't gonna get to keep it anyway, because you're gonna get sick. You're gonna have to pay it to the doctor. Your tires are gonna blow out, or your washing machine's gonna tear up, or God's gonna get it one way or the other. And it makes God sound like he's you know just jacking you up for the money. Anybody besides me heard preaching like that? And then they use Malachi as a threat to scare you. So you're giving your whole giving is based on fear, not on faith. Now everything with God is based on love and grace. But that so so and preachers don't like me to debunk that Malachi deal. But if you get real specific and if you ever read Malachi He's he's talking to the priesthood. He says, "Oh, you priest, it's not been, it's not was, it wasn't aimed at the people to jack them up and you know and shake them down for the ten percent." And 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 so, the under that old system, there was a curse if they didn't do what the law said. But I thought Galatians says that Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law and of sin and death. So either we're redeemed and there's no curse now on, on, as far as that part or, or we're still under the curse. Now I want to tell you something today. You go, well, what's the tithe? And I'm sure not standing up here saying, you, you know, not to tithe. I just handed my wife my, our tithe and she carried it back there or, or whatever. And so, you know, I've been doing that since I was 19 years old. And, uh, but my whole dimension, mention grace changed how I do it and the reason why I do it. Uh, you see, notice when we put up the thing on the on the screen here, we, we talk about, you know, God, you're 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 the you know you're the creator of heaven and earth, and therefore you are worthy of our worship and our honor. The Bible says in Proverbs to honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruit of all your possessions. Now. What we do today, and so I grew up under this deal like, you know, pay your tithes. And, and, and I saw, and, and we were taught that it was a bill that you already owe God. And you pay it like you do your power bill. And if you don't, they're going to cut your lights off. And if you don't pay it, God's going to curse you. You're under a curse, and, you know, and you just, you know, God's getting you. Well, nothing could be further from the truth than that. God's grace blesses the undeserved folk. God causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. Now, what I'm not saying with that is there, there's not a difference in the life and the harvest of people that give versus those that don't give. And the word is really not so much the tithe, it's just giving, being generous, spirit of generosity. It even talks that in, about that in the new, new covenant. You have people, there's a lot of folks even in what I would call the grace uh, movement or whatever that don't believe in tithe. Well, there's a lot of people who don't believe in love stuff. But I want you to understand that under the Melchizedek, which is the original priesthood, that the Levitical came as a temporary thing to show us that we needed a Savior. Jesus preached law. Remember when he came in the Sermon on the Mount? I told you he preached law. The Bible says to those that were under the law. And, and, and he was, Jesus in Galatians says he was born himself under the law. He was born as a Jewish uh, man under the law. And Jesus did not, uh, Jesus fulfilled the law. He kept the law. He, he fulfilled it. J- Jesus didn't break the law. Jesus, Jesus fulfilled the law of God. Because the problem is the law of God is, there's nothing wrong with the law of God. The, the, the weakness of the law is on us. It's on man's inability An impossibility to keep the law. Nobody has ever kept the law. Only one human being ever kept the law, and that was Jesus the Christ. And his keeping of the law has now been accredited to you when you put your faith in him. Jesus preached the law to make you run to the Savior. To realize you cannot save yourself, you can't redeem yourself, you can't live good enough to save yourself. You've got to understand that over and over in your New Testament Bible, particularly in the book of Hebrews, it says perfection is God's standard. It said it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to make those offered, that offered that perfect. You just don't ever hear anybody talking about that Harley, but me. <laughs> you got to be perfect to go to heaven without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. You got, to be, you got to be scoring 100. So 99 don't get you in. It's not like do your best and God will do the rest. That's not what saves you. You, you are, God requires perfection. And, and so the law screams at us and says, you know what? You're not perfect. And you know what? I go, you're right. But I got a high priest that is. And that's where I deposited all my faith is in him. See, and, and his perfection has been accredited to me. And now I've been declared and gifted the righteousness of God. How righteous is God? That's what you got when you got born again you received it Romans says the gift of righteousness it's not you hear me say this all the time righteousness is not something you finally achieve as a believer it's something you received in faith when you got born again and you you may not look righteous you may not always behave righteous you may not act righteous you might not talk righteous but you are righteous where where it counts is in your spirit you how you are you, in your spirit you are pound for pound, molecule for molecule identical to Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 John as he is right now so are we in this world. Whew, that's some good stuff. but see most believers live their life don't even they, 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 don't, they don't even know that and therefore they're always they're not living out of that spirit man out of that revelation. No you're not perfect in your actions I'm not none of us are. And what we do, what we say, how we live, we're not perfect, but we've been made perfect on the inside. The Bible says in Hebrews that he has perfected forever those that put their faith in him. You're already declared perfect because you got a perfect Savior who, who offered a perfect sacrifice of perfect blood. Are you with me? And that's been declared to you. And so the Melchizedek priesthood involves a total change, not only of the priesthood itself, but a change of law. Now, to be, so I I don't know, uh, did did y'all guys get that little graph, the little uh, side-by-side thing up? Look at y'all. Y'all are so great. So right there you can see this, and you just leave it up. I'm going to go through this. But this, I just want you to see right before your eyes. This is the two differences. And, and you've got to notice how people live. And, and I want to say to you, and I don't mean this like I'm arrogant and I think I'm all that in the bag of chips kind of deal. I'm just saying most of the churches in America still operate with a Levitical mindset. And, and the giving is based on that. If you don't give, you listen, it, that's not the deal anymore. Now, let me just say this to you so you'll understand this. Okay, sickness and disease. That is a byproduct of the fall of man and of sin. Is that right? And even as believers, do believers occasionally get sick and diseased? But you're still born again, right? But, but the, the, the part of the, of the curse of the fall, we'll say, sickness and disease that came out of that fall, it still attacks us even if we're believers. believer. Right? And so, but what did God do? to help us combat that. He made provision for us, didn't he? And he said, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of a church, let them anoint them with all the prayer of faith, the Lord shall save the sick and raise them up. If they've committed sin, it ain't no problem, they shall be forgiven because they already are forgiven. Don't mean if they'll ask, they are, they already are. are. Are you with me? So what, do you agree with that? Do you see that? So even though you're a believer, you're still having to deal with the mess that Adam and Eve and them did in the garden. And even though you're born again, but you're still on the flesh part of you, you're still susceptible at times to disease, sickness, whatever, wh- whatever's going on. Right? Don't mean you just get it. Don't mean we're going to accept it and go. What's well, just part? No, we, we we've got a we've got a remedy. We've got a provision. And so, you know, by His stripes, ye were. So if you're not sick, you don't need healing. Do you see? I'm trying to get you to see because if. If you agree with this one, then you got to agree with the next one. Because it's part of the fall, but God made a provision whereby we could combat that, and, we, we, and so we're not just helpless, okay? Now, let me tell you also what happened with the fall. God's never cursed man. God never said, Adam and Eve, you're cursed. In fact, he said, you're blessed. And if God blesses you, you're blessed. Now, there, in this system that you and I live in called the earth, this world. Where Satan is the prince of power there the god of this world. Jesus called him the god of this world. Right or wrong? All right. But what was cursed was the ground. Now, if you, you can be a sinner and you can be a believer and you can both plant you a little garden. Put you some little okra out there and tomatoes and stuff like that. But let me tell you what you're going to get that you didn't plant. You're going to get weeds. You're going to get briars, thorns, and thistles. Why? You didn't plant them, you don't want them, but they're, they're here to come. And you're a Christian, and you get weeds in your garden. I thought I'm a believer, but you're still suffering from what Adam and Eve did in the garden because before they did that, there wasn't no thorn, thistle, briars, and weeds coming up. I'm just trying. I'm trying to go slow with this so you so you get this. All right. So so. You, I'm trying to get you to see that the ground is still cursed. Now, the living that you and I make in this world, as far as, now, God's our provider, but you still got to work. God believes in something called W-O-R-K. Go get you a job. (laughs) A job. You with me? And he said to Adam, by the sweat of your brow, He told the woman that in birth there's going to be some pain. Any any women in here had a baby? Did it hurt a little bit? Okay, here we go. (laughs) So when we get sick, we declare God's promise. We have hands laid upon us, and we believe for healing. We have provision. So when it comes to the financial arena, you got a believer, and you got an unbeliever, but they both have to deal with the with the weeds. Now the curse of the ground—that's where you living comes from. Now I ain't saying everybody's farmers in here. You understand what I'm saying? If 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 your job is writing on paper, it came from the ground because it come from a tree. It was so don't don't mess with me. So what? How does a believer's life? God gave him so what is the remedy that God gave for us because of the cursed ground to overcome it the tithe the tithe overcomes that it reverses that just like the healing reverses the diseases so God God has made provision for us we, we, we're not limited a, a tithe is not a minus it's a plus it's, it's, it's not a taking it's a giving now. God's worthy if it, if, we, if, we didn't get, if we didn't have anything coming from it. God's worthy of our worship and honor. We say it every Sunday in here. But in this church and in this house, we don't give because we're scared of God. We don't give because we think God's going to make our washing machine tear up or our car break down or our kids get sick and we got to spend that money at the doctor's office. We don't believe in a God like that because that's not who he is. He would never do that preachers just get caught up in that. And I'm not saying they're doing it diabolically. Th- these things that I'm preaching, I got a whole chapter of that dedicated in my uh, book. And I said in that chapter that these things that I'm talking about now, debunking that stuff, I used to preach it, man, I could preach it. Some of y'all sitting here, heard, y'all sitting under my preaching heard me preach it. Because that's what you, you're, you're echoing what you heard another preacher that's over you said. That you're under a curse. And you go to Malachi 3 and 10 and you read that and it sounds like it's, you know. And listen, even under the old giving system, Levitical, there was blessings. What did he say in Malachi? He said, God said that bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. That may be me meet in my house. He, he said, and, and when you do this, you know. Now he first told him, he said, you, for, for you, you know, he said, you have robbed me. And they said, God, where have we robbed you? Listen, you cannot consider something a robbery unless you take something that didn't belong to you. And God told them that you have robbed me. God said it. He, 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 you know, Malachi 3.10 is not wrong. God said, you robbed me. They said, where? How we robbed you? He said, in tithes and offerings. He didn't just say in tithes. He said tithes and offerings. Because they always go together as husband and wife. Huh? It's salt and pepper. Come on, y'all, come on. I mean, it's it's, it's what God has joined. How, How would you feel if I had a communion service and just served the bread and no wine? You'd go out here, my God, that's blasphemy. I can't believe you did. Don't let any man separate that that God's joined together. God has joined a whole lot together besides just husbands and wives. And there's a lot of things in there. One thing that God's joined together is tithes and offerings. He's, and and we, we, we miss so much because we don't see those things as important. So you got to understand this, that, that he says that in, in that old Levitical system, he said, you bring your tithes. He said, you, you've robbed me in this, tithe and offering, you, you bring them into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Uh, and, and then he says this, and then here comes the blessings from it. God says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Then he says, I will open up for you the what? Windows of heaven, and I will pour out on you blessings that you'll be. There'll be so many blessings, you'll be unable to receive it. Now, I spent decades in church telling people that that's what was going on when they tithe, And I remember sitting under preachers that says to their people as they tithe, they said, I want you to know as you tithe this morning that fresh commands from God's lips goes forth, and he's rebuking the devourer on your behalf. Ow! Well, here they come, and they put the money in the plate, and they want God to be hollering out at that devil and rebuking him on their behalf. And I noticed that at pastoring these people, that many of them would go home, and that devil would run over them like a steamroller. And they were faithful in giving, and they were tithing, and they were doing the thing, and yet financially they were shipwrecking. And I would say, something's missing. It just don't, it ain't working on that deal. And sometimes people would say, well, you know that that it, it ain't working." Well, I mean, no, because we're we're trying to we're a Melchizedek priesthood, and we're trying to operate on a Levitical mindset, and it will not work. And God, that God's done with that. So let me tell you something that God's not doing. He's not opening the windows and pouring out nothing on nobody, and he ain't rebuking no devourer. For your sake. And if the devourer gets rebuked, it'll be by you, not by God. Now you know why that devil's whooping on you. Because you just letting him and you ain't saying nothing. And you're waiting on God to rebuke it because you think he dropped your tithe in there and God's has to. God ain't saying nothing. God's already said it. See, look at that. Sh- Y'all stop shouting. I can't hardly hear myself up here. I've said this to you before. See, it's two different systems. If you come to my house and I have to open a window and pour you out a glass of tea, guess where you're not? You're not in my house. You're outside my house. When you get born again, you are no longer outside. Everybody under the old covenant, outside the house. When you get born again, the Bible, see, Malachi talks about a window. Revelation talks about, John said, I saw a door. And he said, that door was standing open. Jesus said, I am the door into the kingdom, the sheepfold. Are you with me? So, so th- there ain't no pouring out no more because I'm in the house. I'm sitting at Papa's table. I'm saying, Jesus passed me a biscuit because I'm sitting by him. Come on, help me, somebody. I mean, I, I'm in the house. I, I'm serious. I, I See, under the old system, under the old system, tithe is paid. Under the Melchizedek, tithe is given. It's just, it's, it's just it's totally, under the old, the motivation for giving is a curse, fear. Under the grace, it is honor. God is worthy of honor, and that is one way we honor God. It's one way we to go. Uh, under the Levitical, that's a temporary priesthood. Under the Melchizedek, grace, it is an eternal priesthood. Under the, the Levitical law, if there is a continual sacrifice for sin. Under grace, there's been one sacrifice for sin once and for all. Boy, it's a big-time difference, isn't it? I, you, you, under the Levitical law, God said part of that blessing in Malachi under that old system was the ground will not, you know, bear forth this fruit. In other words, the fruit of the ground, the fruit of the ground. But remember what Melchizedek gave Abram was not fruit of the ground. It was bread and wine. So under the old system, you're eating from the fruit of the ground. Under the grace, you're eating, you're fed with heavenly bread and wine. Big difference. Big difference. Under the old, there's no power to rebuke the devourer. Let me tell you something that you won't find in the old covenant. You won't find no prophet, nobody. I don't care if his name's Elijah, Jeremiah, uh, Ezekiel. You won't find any of them rebuking the devil. From Genesis to Malachi, you will not find a human rebuking no devil. Why not? No authority. None. Can't do it. It ain't in there. Y'all looking at me like you don't believe me. See, if y'all read more, y'all could say amen louder. It's not in there. It's not in there. Why? Because man didn't have any authority. Satan had the authority over the, over man. That's why he argued with, with Gabriel over Moses' body. He wanted it. He said, that's mine. God said, I'm handling this funeral. You don't get this one. You see what I'm saying? Listen, it, 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 it's just different. I'm sorry, Adam. Pastor Adam's going to get on me. Get back over here, he says, in his body posture. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm messing up the Facebook folks. It's better live and in person. <laughs> oh. You got authority now to rebuke the devourer. You have authority now to speak to the mountain. You speak to it. You say something. You don't tell God how big your mountain is. You tell the mountain how big God is. When you're sick, you, 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 know, you, you claim your promise. You, you say something. Word has power, life or death. So you say something. So under the old, no power to rebuke. Under the grace, power to rebuke the devourer. God's not going to do it for you. I don't mean to you to think uh, uh, harshly of God. But under the new system, God gave you authority to rebuke the devourer. So you see, you know, there's times in my life all of a sudden I just feel like somebody done hooked up a drain pipe to my finances. I don't know about y'all. But every now and then I get in a little season like, I mean, here oh, this tears up. There goes this. Oh, here's a $1,000 here. Here's 4 Whoa, 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 whoa. I just have to do that. Wait a minute. This is an unusual season here. I'm not taking this. And then I just say, devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I command you to get your hands out of my checkbook and off of my finances and off of my family. Now, who in heaven do you think you are? And, and I'm telling I'm saying, you, I got, you got to say something. I'm going, whoa, whoa, this far no more. You say, well, I did that, didn't work. Well, keep doing it until it does work. It ain't one and done, you know, on, on you, you that. You stand in faith. You declare the promise of God. You rebuke the devourer. Jesus, when when, when Peter's mother got sick, he, he, he rebuked the fever. He, he, he looked at fever as a thing, and he rebuked the fever. He spoke to the fever. You got to speak. Sometimes you just need to lay your checkbook out and just put your finger on it and just start talking to it. And I ain't saying just say money cometh. I'm just saying I rebuke this as trying to come in against my finances and, and to rob us of that that God's blessed us with. The devil is still a thief, if you don't know that. And he robs and steals and kills, destroys. That's his agenda. And you as a believer, you do have real authority. I know this maybe sounds silly. It may feel silly if, you, if you're new to this, first time you've ever done it. I ain't saying you got to do it in front of somebody. Go, go get in the, in the bathroom lock the door and just have a good time. I mean, if you if you could play the video on my life when I'm in that truck by myself, you'd think I'm a nut. Because when I'm in riding them roads and I'm working and I'm in that truck, man, i talking. To, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm talking to God, and then if that devil's bothering me, I'm talking to him too. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I'm trying to get through. Open window, old system. Open door, Jesus. Only Levites could be in the ministry. That's the church I grew up in. The ministers was up here. The listeners to the ministers was out there. And there was a line drawn. I'm in the ministry. You're not. We're all under grace in the ministry according to the New Testament. I've told you this. It ain't just a joke. You know, when somebody, you know, in the men's world is always, hey, how you doing? My name's, uh, you know, this and this and my, my name's this. What do you do? That's the next question with men. Ask you know, women meet and they go, hey, you know, my name's so and so, my name. Ooh, who does your hair? Or where'd you get that purse? Or I love your shoes. <laughs> Different world. But I think they finally get around to it too. You know what you do. But men, men, that's their first go-to right out the gate. What well, you do? You know, when they ask you that, just say this. Instead of saying I do this, I work here. I'm just say I'm in the ministry. Just say I'm in the ministry. Watch it. It's fun. Just freak them out. Just say I'm in the ministry. What do you do? I'm in the ministry. I didn't know you was a preacher. Oh yeah, I've been preaching ever since I got saved. And you have Bible for it. It's really a great icebreaker. You can just go start talking about the Lord. It's easy. You're already there. I didn't know you was. A, yeah, I've been in the ministry. I didn't know that. Yeah. So when'd you get in? As soon as I got saved. The Lord just gave it to me. He he calls it the ministry of reconciliation. And he said, we're all ministers of the ministry of reconciliation. And he said, it's like God speaking through us, beseeching you, saying, you know, be reconciled to God. Because, baby, God's already reconciled himself to you. He's already forgiven you of all of your sin. And your sin is not the obstacle that you think it is between you and God. God's already removed the stone. God's already removed the obstacle. He just wants you to believe in life that he's offering to you. Man, my hairs on my body started standing up when I was saying that last statement. God likes that. Because God has forgiven the world of sin. Jesus was the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. And so your sin that you think is a big obstacle and why God's mad with you and God don't like you, that ain't even an issue with God no more. It's an issue with you because you don't believe God. But God's forgiven you. God's not saying this sin and it's not a big deal. It's such a big deal God sent Jesus. God's not making little of your sin. He's making much of his grace and much of his son and much of his sacrifice. And so God's saying, listen, your issue between me and you being lost is not your sin. And you don't have to quit it and then come to me. I've already forgiven you. And I didn't need your permission. And I know they didn't tell you that in church, but you are forgiven. You're like that man when they tore the roof off when they lowered him down in there in the meeting and interrupted my sermon. I looked at that man and said, sir, son, your sins are forgiven you. Is that in the book or not? That man ain't said boo. That man ain't cried. That man ain't prayed a prayer. That man ain't said forgive me Jesus of all of my sins. Because Jesus looked at that man. That man ain't said nothing. Jesus said son your sins I want you to know are already forgiven you. You're already forgiven. That's why that man was bound to that cot because he believed his sins was an obstacle to his healing. He believed his sins was an obstacle to God blessing him and touching him and helping him and it kept him bound to that cot and paralyzed in fear. But God said, son, your sins are already forgiven you. In the name of Jesus, get up off of that cot. Get up out of that mess. Glory to God. See, that's the the message the world needs to hear. Your sins are forgiven you. Woman caught in adultery. Woman, where are you accused? I'm not accusing you of because you? your sins are forgiven. You're already forgiven. Knock it off. And when you know you're forgiven, you'll start living better. I'm already forgiven. I mean, I don't have to spend 30 minutes in prayer trying to clean the deck before we can talk. No. I live my life like as a Christian. Oh, God's coming for you. Uh, you. I just ask you to forgive me all my sins. Sins I know I committed in sins I don't even know I committed. Man, please. I don't even talk about sin no more to God. Now, if you want to talk to him about it, he's your father. You can talk to him about anything. And there are times I've sinned and said things, done things, and it breaks my heart. Because I wasn't a good example. And I just say to him, Papa, man, I don't want to be that guy. Help help me, you know, when I run into that next time, that I don't, you know, show the flesh instead of showing the spirit here. I, I really don't want to be that guy, and it breaks my heart. But I, I don't doubt your love for me one bit and I'm still the righteous God in Christ Jesus. That, that's, that's why the Bible says a righteous man will fall seven times. But he gets back up. See, the only people that will get back up after they have a fall is people that know they're righteous. And they're not righteous by performance, but they're righteous by gift. And God's gifted their righteousness. And they go, wait a minute, I'm not going to lay here and waller in this. I'm, I'm still righteous. I, I just blew it, it. I blew it big time. I, I just messed up as big as I could feel like I could mess up, but you know what? I'm still the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. God, dang, God don't turn his back on me. God hadn't forsaken me. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake. And I'm still righteous, so I'm going to get back up out of this mess and go on again. How many times would a righteous man fall? Seven means complete. God, God, God ain't worried about how many times you fall. God just wants you to get back up and walk that path that he's got for you. Amen? This, this only the Levites were in ministry. But here in grace, everybody's a minister. Isn't that good? You, you got priest only in this system. But here, king, priest, and prophet. Do you know when the Bible says that Jesus is king of kings, he's not talking about kings of some foreign province or land. He's talking about you. The Bible says that in the New Testament we are both kings and priests. We are both kings and priests before God. We've got most Christians that will live and their life act like a priest, but they never rule. They never use the power to rule. God says you can have dominion now. Romans says you can rule and reign in this life. But it says you've got to be under the revelation of grace and know that you are the gift of righteousness. Those are the people that rule and reign. They rule and reign. So if a king's ruling, he's got to open his mouth and say something. He's got to make some decrees. He's got to make some declarations. So use the king part of your, your gift, because you are a king. I know you don't feel like it, and, and we've not been taught to be very kingly. We've been taught to be very priestly, but not very kingly. You are a king because he's king of kings. You are a priest because you represent God before this world. And you're also a prophet because we may all prophesy and you can all be prophetic. And everybody needs the gift of prophecy, which is to speak to men for their edification, for their comfort. Right? In, in other words, the Bible says prophecy, it, it builds up a man, it comforts a man. And what's the third one? Courage a man. Who in here does not need daily encouragement to be built up? And sometimes when you are going through a really tough time, comforted. All of those can come through you prophesying somebody. And you don't have to be, you don't have to go in no trance and roll your eyes back in your head and act like a weirdo. You, you can just be a normal person. And, and you can just see somebody going through a tough time and think of a scripture that would encourage them and just speak that to them. But an apple, uh, uh, apples in gold and settings of silver, the Bible calls appropriate words spoken at the right time. I remember, my wife would remember this. I never forget this. I was in Alma, Georgia, at a church preaching a revival, and I was ending a service. And I looked out, and on this side at the back, I saw a lady, an elderly elderly lady. uh, We'll just say it that way, sitting back there. And I just was drawn to her. It's hard to explain this stuff, but I just felt extremely drawn to her. And I I knew the Lord wanted me to pray for her. And so I just looked out and I said, "Ma'am, and you know, you got to kind of figure out who. Yeah, yeah. Would you could you come? I want to just pray for you." So I, in my ministry, I've always, when I've done that, God never tells me why I'm praying for these people. And so between the time they leave their pew and the time they get in front of my face, I'm like, "Please, God, you know, tell me something. You know, let, let, you know, let it go off. Let me know why they're coming or whatever, you know." And uh, and um, so she's walking up front, and so I'm kind of waiting on God to, you know, sometimes it feels like to me I, they have to get in my three foot of personal space before the light will go on so I can say anything and so she she gets right there and she just stands there and I'm kind of like waiting on God and he's being a little slow in my opinion and you know and now I'm on display in front of the whole church they're looking at you know like (laughs) let's see what he's got you know whatever I mean whatever and I I heard the Lord's voice in my heart just say tell her I love her that's going to be profound there (laughs) that's going to be amazing Yay, the Lord says he loves you. (laughs) He loves everybody. What in the world is that? I'm waiting for something specific. Like you got a pain in your liver or something. I'm, I'm waiting for something, you know, like I know I'm talking about. I just looked at her though and I said, the Lord says to tell you that he loves you. You remember that night? She was right. When I said that to that little old lady, she just Burst out weeping. Just like a like a dam broke. started weeping. All I said was, The Lord told me to tell you that He loves you. I didn't even get a chance to even pray for her. Because she just was crying like I don't know what's going on. I have a word of knowledge. I don't know what's going on in this woman's life. When she finally got it together, this is what she said. She said, This is not my church. This is not where I come. On my dresser is a bottle of pills. And I told God that I heard about a revival and I was going to come to this meeting. And if he was real and he cared about me, he would let me know that. And if not, I was going to go home and I was taking that bottle of pills. And I was going to be done with it. Is that the truth? God saved her life. Just by the simple little words God told me to tell you, he loves you. See how big deal it was to her? That little woman followed me in that whole region from then on, didn't she? I'd look out. I'd be preaching over there in Brunswick. She'd be sitting there. I'd be like, I mean, what are you doing? She said, I heard you was over here. I just want to be here in service with you, Brother Man, because you always honor those that the Lord used to touch in your life. And that little lady followed me all around. You know, I don't mean she's there every night or anything. But she often meets. I'd be in Douglas preaching there. She'd be sitting. She'd be in those, because she just loved me. She'd come up, hug me, and kiss me like I was her grandson. And she's just as sweet as she could be because it had a profound, but God, see, God loves people. And I'm I'm not saying you got to put God on no deal like that. That was just her story. Don't be afraid, church, to tell people just simple stuff. The Lord told me to tell you he loved you. Or you just, or if the Lord didn't, you didn't feel like, just say the Lord does love you. you. God loves you. All right, about done. There's a veil under this old covenant, a veil that separates you from God's presence. Under the new, the veil has been ripped. Nothing to separate you. Come boldly now. Okay? Relationship is based on the law with God. Under grace, relationship is based on the Son of God. Big difference. The priest never sits under the old Levitical system. I always like to say, I guess, one piece of furniture that, that, that was never found in the tabernacle of Moses was a chair because the priests were continually offering sacrifices and it never stopped. Why? Because their sins was never removed. They were only covered. They were only being shoved forward, if you will. But when Jesus came, He took it away. He took it away. I know I've said this a lot of times, but I like it, so I'm saying I got the mic. In the morning, men will come I will put all of my trash and rubbish by the street. They will come and they will take it away. I have never had bring them bring any back. They've always taken my trash away. And I have not seen it anymore. They are amazing. No matter how nasty it is, they take it away. No matter how nasty your sin was, Jesus took it away at the cross. He, he will never accuse you with it. He will never remind you of it. He'll never bring it back to you. Because why? Because He can't. Because He took it away. He didn't cover it. He didn't sweep it under the rug. He didn't, he didn't save it for the video machine when you get to heaven. He's going to play. No, none of that. All that's lies. He took the sin away. See, when you know that your sin's not that obstacle anymore, you'll start sinning. You, you'll live a better life on accident than you ever did right now trying to do it on purpose. <laughs> Couldn't make perfect. This grace perfects forever. Those are in Christ Jesus. If I wore a shirt around in, in the mall that says I'm perfect, <laughs> you know, imagine that. You'd catch it, wouldn't you? But you know you really are. You have been perfected, and I love that Hebrew says forever. You've been perfected forever. I, I, I don't feel, it don't matter what you feel. A, you're not saved by feeling, you're saved by faith. You're, you've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And you put your confidence in him. So, so you know, this church, for this church to exist and be here, and I, I'm just honest with you, I tell you, man, when this COVID thing hit and people started not coming to church and all this stuff, man, I didn't know if we were going to survive or not. As a ministry, I mean, I'm, I'm going to survive. God's going to provide for me. But I didn't know if it would be a church anymore. I hope I don't sound like a lack of faith. It's just math and a calculator. Because I did find out that people that don't come to church and attend, they, they don't give quite as good as those that actually come and give. But I'm going to go on. I'm going to still, God still got a plan for my life. But, and, and, and there's a lot of churches, and I'm not talking about just Val Austin Lowndes, but, I, but there's a lot of churches that close their doors and don't exist no more. That a year ago March did exist but now this March coming up they don't exist COVID ain't stronger than God or any other thing but the practical thing is that God has to have people that have a heart to see ministry go forward you know, that's why it so blessed me with Crawford I, I, I'm like Ron I ain't see all that I, didn't see none of that. I come in my one door, I come in my door, I see what's at that door, but I don't enter in this building through all these other doors, I guess I probably need to, don't have to now, I got good elders, glory to God, <laughs> they're supposed to keep the man of God free, where I can focus on the other stuff, but I do appreciate that, I do appreciate that, and he saw, well this needs to be done, and this needs to be, well and all that takes funds and resources, and and, and we give, and we want to give, and we want to do those things. And, and, and I know I'm blessed in my life. I mean, I'm not saying this stuff. I mean, I, I, there's no formulas here. But when I go out to work and, and do the things I do in the Medicare industry, I, I really do. When I back my truck out of my drive and I pull out, and if you go look on the dash of my truck, you'll see a stack of what we call leads there. It's got people's names. And they don't know I'm coming, but I'll be coming this week. I'm, I'm headed to their house. I'm going to be knocking, knocking, knocking on that door. And because they asked for me to come when they sent that lead in, they might not know it, but I'm going to say, you sent this in. And I am manifesting my presence to answer your questions. <laughs> I don't say that, but that's kind of how the deal is. But I'm there because they've asked for help, and so I'm there. This is what I always say when I'm pulling out. I'll say, Papa, I like calling him Papa. i say, Papa, I'm headed out now. As if you don't know. I say, I'm, I so thank you, Lord that I am blessed and highly favored of you. And so I ain't asking you for no favor because I already got it by birth. I'm just praying, Father, give me favor with these people. Let them recognize your favor on my life. And sometimes I go to that first house and they don't want me and they don't want no help. I don't think God died. And sometimes I go to the next and the next and the next. But just like uh, whatever day it was last week, Went to the first house. I just was looking through them leads and I was gonna go to Nashville, I had to go to Enigma and had to go to some other town. But I, there was just one that stood out to me in Valdosta. I had a stack of Valdosta leads, but it's one stood out. And uh I just had that unction. I just said I need to go, I'm just gonna go to this one house, and then I'll go to Nashville and Enigma and all that. Went to that house, walked right in, and the guy not only he needed me. He needed me. And, he, and, 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 and I was able to bless him, and, and it didn't cost him one dime what I did, and I was able to put $79 a month back in his income because he was in a, in a chair. He'd had a stroke, and, and he was paying for something that he didn't have to pay for no more, and, and we, we, we was able to help him. And he just told me, he just, over and over, he told me, he said, I am so glad that I sent that card in, and I'm so glad you came. He said, man, I need that. He said, and what I'm dealing with now, he said, that $79 a month will make a difference in my life. And I was able to drive off from there. Now, I went to all them other towns and stuff and didn't do jack. <laughs> 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 and I was coming back in, and I told you, I said, I should have went to Valor Austin, that one house, and come on back, you know. Had, but you don't know what the day's going to hold. And I'm beating up down these dirt roads and stuff, you know. And... uh But you just got to have a heart to know you're favored of the Lord. God's favor is on you by birth. And I used to spend time not knowing that, so I would act like I didn't know that. And I would live like I didn't know that because I didn't. And I would pray for God's favor. The only people that ever prayed for God's favor were Old Testament people. You'll never find it in the New Covenant. And I told you that it's just as dumb. It's as dumb as Superman riding the bus. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is (laughs) dumb. I mean, this is, this is, anyway, it's as dumb. Is like my kids when they're small, if they'd come up to me and say, Daddy, would you please favor us over the next door neighbor's kids? Would you treat us better than them? I'm like, Taterhead, you're mine. You've had my favor since you were born. Favor comes by what? Birth. It is your birthright. Don't live your life that you're not favored and you have to pray for it. Now, God says, talks about in the New Testament that Jesus had favor with God and with man. Is that right? I just need him to work on them people so they can recognize that favor. <laughs> I need them to work on that side. Anybody besides me needs that help on the other side of that with people. And, and, and you don't have to be in sales. You don't have to be in that kind of service industry. But wherever you are, you, you need favor with people. It makes work better when you have favor. Amen. Not only with your bosses, but them that you that work with you. Amen. Twelve up, straight down, stand up. Glory to God. Look at there. 12 o'clock on the dot. Say, good preacher. Good preacher. Stopped at 12. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, see, I didn't used to do that. I'm doing good, ain't it, Crawford? Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> God still does miracles. Hallelujah. Somebody the other day, was about, they were talking about my prayer. I said, no, buddy, With 12, we gone. We got chicken to chase down. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't that a good way to leave church? You're favored, highly favored, blessed of God. God's on your side because you in him. He put you in Christ so he could treat you like Christ. God's give you provision. Sickness comes, claim promise, by his stripes. You release, be generous, and give. Then briars, thorns, and thistles can't touch your stuff. Now, enemy tries to attack you financially, say something out your mouth to him. And let God, let him know that you, you, wait a minute now. I have, this ain't Levitical priesthood time here. We on on Melchizedek watch now, buddy. And I can say, and and just rebuke that. I'm not saying an instant cure. Just just claim your promise. Claim your promise on your finances in every area of your life. Let us have a spirit of generosity and give. I don't know how many times. I I told you I've gone for years with a $100 bill stuck in my wallet. Just to say, it's there for earmark for whoever. You wouldn't think a hundred dollars do that much, but I man, I'll tell you, when God will prompt you, it means something in people. I don't know how many times I've been at gas stations, and, and 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 whether it's God or not, I just feel prompted to just step across the island when they pull it up. See, so I, I just want to get you this tank of gas. I had a lady start crying and, and just. Came to my church, brought her kids. Her teenage kids walked up to me and said, "You demand uh, help, my mama." You wouldn't think that would mean that much. And when I when I did that, the lady said, "I just moved up here from Miami." She said, "I hardly got any money." She said, "What I was supposed to do was go in there and give them ten dollars." Had a big old car. Ten dollars ain't carrying you far. And, and I wasn't trying to be, and, and I never said I'm a preacher until she asked me. Because when I was talking to her, she said, say something else. I'll never forget it. She said, say something else. And I said, what you want me to say? She said, I recognize that voice. She said, ain't you a preacher? And, and back then, in those days, we was on TV. And I said, yeah. She said, uh, she, and I remember, I never broke my heart. She said, can people in wheelchairs come to your church? And she had a child that was in a wheelchair. I said, Absolutely. And that Wednesday night she was there for her two, kids, two sons and, that, and her daughter was in a wheelchair over a tank of gas. See, God says use that finances I've blessed you with. Use it to touch and bless people's hearts. You don't have, God will prompt you. God will lead you. But God's blessed us. Amen? We are blessed of the Lord. Amen. So Father, thank you as we sung this morning, oh how he loves us. Thank you for your love that abides in our hearts shed abroad by the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you have removed the sin of the world. Thank you, Father, for your grace and favor and blessing on our lives. I pray as they go out this week, God, to do in the vocation, whatever fields that they're in, let them know, God, let them walk with confidence they are highly favored. They have your favor. I pray you give them favor with people. Give them favor with men and women in this world. God, let them meet the right people at the right time. Let them, Lord God, be promoted and advanced. And, Lord God, put them in positions and places of influence to influence this world on behalf of the kingdom of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We bless you, Father, and are blessed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you guys. God bless you.